0: You poor guys. I'm from... <laughs> well, uh, Ronnie kind of sucked me into this because, um, can you hear? The oh, the kids, the kids. <laughs> oh, yeah. You need, you need to go somewhere else so you don't hear this. <laughs> <laughs> this is truly the delight of my heart every Sunday to see these kids get up and leave. And it's like, that's the future of the church. And thank you to uh, all the parents that help. And uh, it's a big responsibility and and you do it so well because we have a great group of kids. And uh, I've been here long enough to tell you that at times we did not have very many children in our church. Uh, so this is a great thing. Okay, so uh, anyhow, Ronnie, I think he's fooled me because he asked the elders, "What's uh, what do we need to preach about? And I said, simple, the seven uh, churches in Revelations. Okay, I'll do that. And then he goes like, by the way, you're preaching on the next Sunday after that because I'm going to be gone. And uh, so I thought, well, what church or what group of people most resemble what happened to those seven churches? And it's the Galatians. It's a region in Turkey that... Uh, I really don't know how many churches were there. There may have only been one in that region. Uh, It's a pretty good sized area. And uh, so what I want to look at today is how the church in America is like the Galatian church. And uh, I I want to pray. Uh, Some of you know me well enough to know that I've memorized scripture over the years not very well sometimes. Uh, In fact, I was up here the last time you saw me in front. It was a very emotional time for me because I was rekindling something that I thought I had lost. And uh, so my prayer this morning is, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my God, my rock, and my redeemer. That's from the 19th chapter of Psalms. And uh, that is my feeling today, that I want to please Him. And that was not always my place in life. Uh, I didn't really understand uh, Isaiah chapter 11. That may or may not be up here, I'm not sure. Uh, But I can read that to you uh, pretty quickly here, Um, if my eyes will let me focus long enough. So then, a shoot will grow from the stump of Jesse... And a branch from his roots will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. A spirit of wisdom and understanding. A spirit of counsel and strength. A spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. That was hard to understand at first. But what it meant was reverence and awe. And I suggest that if you can't get to that place you need to re-examine your life because that is the key to uh, this pursuit that we have. Think about your relationship and about how it's kind of like a marriage. You have the groom and the bride and the groom has gotten the bride to focus on him alone you notice I said it not her focusing on him. <laughs> they sometimes have problems getting a man to think right. But the the thing is it becomes a very close, tight relationship. You set aside any other influence and you focus strictly on that relationship. you and we are as a church are in that uh time period of uh not, it's not the marriage isn't complete, so it must be the time period of uh of uh, getting to know the bride and the groom, getting to know each other. God does that through his Holy Spirit. Once you become a Christian, once you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. And what has happened to the Galatians, and we can read that. Uh, I, I want to cover some of this quickly because uh, I probably am going to bore you long, enough that you won't want to hear much more. Uh, But let's just look at the fifth chapter of Galatians. Uh, And this is Paul talking to them. You know, he says in chapter 3, You foolish Galatians. Why are they foolish? He's going to tell you in chapter 5. I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will not uh, carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit and you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, uh, promiscu- promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness. Wow, this is a long list. Uh, carousing. Carousing and anything similar about which i tell you in advance as i told you before those who practice these such things will not inherit the kingdom of god but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness gentleness faith goodness self control against such that, this is my favorite line in the bible against such things there is no law did you ever think you could be a lawless person? Well, you can be if you follow the fruits of the Spirit. There's nobody that can tell you you can't be kind or gentle or patient. And that's, uh, that is so powerful. What has happened to the Galatian church is, and what happens to us sometimes, I think, uh, certain sections of our society have fallen into this trap. They have begun to listen to the world and not to God and and so what that looks like is for the Galatians their world was Jewish many of them were Gentiles but a lot more of them were Jews who had come to Christ and they loved the old ways and so this is about power when you're in power as the rabbi or whatever you don't like the idea that you may be giving up some of your influence because Christ has presented the full message of the gospel. You can't save yourself through the law. You need a savior. Christ Jesus paid the price on the cross. He himself wore our sins in his body and hung them on the cross they would, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Right living requires us to realize that we can't save ourselves. And so the Jews thought they had all the answers and they didn't want to give up their power. And they were influencing their people to the point that Paul said, Where were you at when I presented to you the good news of Jesus Christ? They were lost again in some respects. And he was trying to bring them back. So uh you know I'm not really gonna preach this morning. I'm just gonna compare my notes With what you might want to not hear. Uh, And so... (laughs) uh, So did you receive the Spirit by keeping the law? No, you've received it. Uh, There's a scripture that's in... I think it's in Isaiah and it's also in Timothy. It says, how beautiful on the mountain are the feet of those who bring good news. So at some point in your time, you heard good news and you responded to it. And Paul is saying... Did you guys forget everything that you heard? So, uh, I wanted to compare the old man with the new man. Who was this old man that I was at one time? Well, there are several people in this crowd who can tell you. And it's not great. Okay, I was not exactly the humble bumble or the, uh, pursuer of Christ that I should be. And, uh. I didn't actually get baptized until I was 25. Now, the interesting thing about that is, uh, just from a little guy, I knew who Jesus was. (laughs) I was laughing with Eric this morning. You know, when you grow up on a farm, you're part of the labor force, right? So you're a little bitty guy. You're not worth much. Let's face it. You're eating food. You're taking up space. What are they going to do with you? They send you to vacation Bible school. (laughs) And so like for three, I think it was like three, maybe four years I went to the uh, Lutheran Church, VBS And the Baptist Church, VBS And the Christian Church, VBS (laughs) I got a triple dose of all the good stuff about the Bible All the heroes of the Bible uh, Jesus, uh, the Old Testament prophets who laid everything on the line for God you see, they didn't know the whole story, but they knew something great was coming, and uh, that was Jesus. So as I went off to um, high school and, and college, not much had changed. I knew who he was, but I wasn't following him. Uh, I think in college is when it really started to change. Why did I go to college? Well, Because, you know, I was a mailman for 34 years. Why would you go to college? Nobody in my family... And this was true of my generation, I think it might be true also of some of your family. Uh, First one to graduate from college. That was a goal. And uh, it was a pre-professional degree, but it wasn't worth a lot, you know. I went out and carried mail and made more money than principals at at, uh, elementary schools. So it was kind of a... It was a goal, and I had accomplished it. But things happened uh, toward the end of my uh, college years. This was... uh, Boy, I hate to tell you, it was back like in the late 60s, early 70s, 1900, you know. And and so uh, one day I'm in class. I don't remember the course, but it would have been something later in my years because the class was fairly small. It was like 30 kids. This professor was an old German guy. You can take that for whatever you want. Uh, He just one day cut loose on Christ. He berated the church. And I go like, why is he doing this? I don't understand why he's doing this. At the end, he goes like, well, how many, basically how many of you fools believe that Jesus is the Christ? There's like three of us raise our hands. I go like, I know there's more people in here than that. Uh, probably, it may have been the same year. I've lost track of time, you know, after 50 years. But it was in the spring. It's a beautiful day. Uh, just... A lovely day to go do something besides go to work, which I, I worked two part-time jobs through college. I graduated from college with no debt. Um, so I'm walking back to the student union to get a drink or something. I don't know. There was this huge crowd around this stage, like five, 600 people. And uh, this guy is like, you know, from California, a hippie. And all he's doing is bad-mouthing Jesus. <clears throat> and uh, I just couldn't get over that. Uh, th- there is a philosophy in this world today that thinks we're all pretty stupid for following Christ. And it's getting more prevalent with each passing day. Uh, you can call it New Apostolic Reformation. You can call it the Health and Wealth Gospel. You can call it whatever you want. But it's anti-Christ. Okay. And this guy was practicing. He was one of the early ones. And so, toward the end of his time period up there, he goes like, well, how many of you fools believe that Jesus is the Christ? I raised my hand. I believed it. Like me and three or four others. out of The whole crowd. And that really incensed me because I go like, I know there are kids here who are better than me, who are more faithful to Christ than me. Move on to uh, the point where I'm getting married and having a family and get a job and and uh, I'm going to my uh, through this stage of uh, not denial but of being pursued by Christ, where uh, finally I had to come to a decision. What am I going to do? I was at a. I like to think of C.S. Lewis. I've actually read five C.S. Lewis books this winter. Uh, of course, three of them were a trilogy, so I don't know if that counts as five. But I read The Abolition of Man and Mere Christianity, and then I read the uh, uh, trilogy, uh, Space Trilogy it's called, uh, Out of the Silent Planet, Paralandra, and That Hideous Strength. A great group of books for young people. I've read it twice now. Every time I read it, I get something else out of it. Uh, so I'm getting sidetracked here. The, uh, the thing about that was... Uh, I believe that I came to the point where I was, as C.S. Lewis would say, I had become undone. I couldn't move forward. I had to make a decision. And I decided on Christ. And if I'm starting to tear up a little bit, it's because the day that I accepted Christ, I don't know if any of you were there that day. I bawled my eyes out. I had a meltdown. I'm not having one now, but I'm thinking about what happened that day. And uh, it's like I was on a new journey. I had quit doing things that weren't good. And I started doing things that the Spirit was teaching me. And uh, I'll just say this about it. And this is why I tear up when I start talking about this. Uh, Most Jews are coming to Christ. It's called One for Israel. Uh, If you don't know about that, you can look it up on YouTube. Uh, Lots of Jews coming to Christ. That's an end time prophecy. Lots of Muslims are coming to Christ through dreams and visions. Lots of Chinese are coming to Christ. The world is persecuting the church and it's getting stronger because of it. Our time is coming. If you want to hear the word, I'm telling you right now, our time is coming. Uh, I'm not gonna get political, but what you see happening in Canada could very easily happen here. Um, And so, I think the sea change for me was, I began to listen to the spirit. I had some dreams, I had some visions. Over time, I don't need to share those with you right now. That's why I was tearing up. I was thinking about those things. But what it did was it focused me on something that I had not been doing. Every person is valuable. I carried mail in the old part of town. There weren't a lot of rich people over there, there were a lot of poor people. There was a lot of uh, bad things going on. But every person on my route, and I carried that route for 17 years, knew my name, my first name. I made eye-to-eye, personal contact. I was kind to people who were unkind. I was gentle with the children. I tried to live my life like Christ would want me to live it. I'd be walking down the street and I'd be praying for these people. Uh, Boy, I've had some up and downs in my Christian life. But I've never forgotten how much he did for me. That is the very basis of your faith. Never forget what he's done for you. He has saved you out of uh, turmoil and death. And so, this other kind of fear that I want to tell you about is the kind of fear that creeps in when you listen to voices that are not interested in your salvation. Look at the news media. Uh, walk into a store. You see things you don't want to see. I mean, I, it, it's just not Walmart. <laughs> you know, it's like, what's going on here? Why is that person looking like that? I, it's hard to swallow sometimes. But you live with it. You, you believe that person is valuable to Christ. And if you get a chance to witness, you do. But you, you probably won't. Because the world is moving away from Christ. It's rejecting the gospel in many respects. It seems like almost there's a dividing line, isn't there? Between those who want Christ as their Lord and Savior and those who are rejecting. And I would suggest that those that are rejecting are listening to the world. They're being sucked in to a false gospel. Uh, Like I said, New Apostolic Reformation, if you want to read about that. There's some really good uh, apologetics uh, I read uh, Acts 17 Apologetics. It's a guy that was a Muslim that became a Christian. And he witnesses to people. Uh, Melissa Doherty has good stuff on on YouTube about uh, uh, sharing the gospel and, and coming out of that uh, false religion. And you know what I'm talking about, right? Health and wealth gospel. Name it and claim it. That is pervasive in our society. It's what you see if you happen to watch a sermon on television you just don't get a lot of good sermons on television that aren't infected with new age thinking Uh, begin to research that if you're really interested and you will find out that this church does it right Uh, we're blessed to have Ronnie and Matt and Eric uh, and a lot of the people around them uh, really have a passion for the lost and we need to focus on that Um, the um, consequences of rebellion against Christ are that you are going to fill your mind with things that, that satisfy you. They may be the wrong things. You see, the thing about my coming to Christ was, I believe Jesus was the Christ. In James it says, even the demons believe that and shudder. That is not saving faith. Saving faith is accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior. That, I don't know if it's a big sea change, but it begins to make you focus on what's important. And that is the gospel. It's how God talks to you through the gospel. He talks to you through sermons. You may get convicted. There's a, there's a point of interest, isn't it? When we, when we get convicted from reading the word or hearing a sermon, it changes who we are. Uh, I, I feel like I need to read some of the stuff that I wrote down uh i've got i I've, I've been doing research on uh, uh some of the uh teachings of the orthodox church uh, because I think first of all they're older than the christian church the uh, uh what would you call it? the stone stone campbell movement is was a uh, coming out of uh or organized uh I don't want to say organized. I want to say more like uh, uh, cultural-influenced churches that believed in... And I'm not saying you can't know Christ in a, in a different church. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the Christian church began to focus on the gospel. If it's not in the Bible, we don't teach it, okay? Okay, That's kind of where we're at. And uh, that begins to separate out a lot of... Uh, Cultural influence. Now can you see what the Galatians had a problem with? The cultural influence was drawing them away from Christ. We can't let that happen to ourselves. We have to stay strong. And where the society uh, begins to pull at us is through fear. Fear cripples the Christian. Uh, We could all take a lesson from people who have been persecuted. Persecuted. Uh, in China, India, uh, Middle East, any Muslim country. Just think the Galatians were Christian. Then they were Jewish, Christian. Then I don't know what happened. But somewhere, maybe around 600 A.D., they became Muslim. Or they died. Or they left. Or they fled for their lives. Thank God for Charles Martel. Charles the Hammer. He stopped Islam in its tracks for a long time. Uh, because he took a stand for Christ. Our influence may never be that strong, but if we don't take a stand for Christ, whoever acknowledges me before men, him will I acknowledge before my Father in heaven. Whoever disowns me before men, him will I disown before my Father in heaven. That's pretty serious. If you get a chance to make a stand, you better, you better make it. And it, I'd like to think that I made that stand as I carried mail up and down those streets. I'd like to think that I left the fragrance of Christ behind me. I didn't have very many enemies. Oh, there were a couple of times I had to, you know, lock the truck because a guy was getting ready to rob me. Uh, I experienced a lot of things. Pulled a lady out of a burning house. Delivered a baby. Mm, I'm no doctor, but I delivered a baby. Uh, that was interesting some of the things I did that were good for people they never knew about Uh, a little boy outside froze to death crying his mom was entertaining somebody can you get the drift here I took him to a neighbor's house got him taken care of got him out of the cold Uh, oh boy don't get me sidetracked <laughs> I will talk about things. I can tell you stories over the years of things I've experienced uh, in the world in, in being salt and light to people I, I just think that all you have to do is do what's in front of you you don't have to go off to although I'm glad people do take the gospel somewhere I can remember one time There was a guy here, he was ministering in India. He was actually very upset, was not making any progress. He felt like he was beating his head against the wall. About 20 years later, guess who's coming to Christ? The lower class of people. There's like caste systems in India. You know, you're born into the rich caste, that's where you stay. If you're born into the lower caste... That's where you stay. Christ has penetrated India at the lower class. So all his work was not in vain. All your things that you do will not be in vain because if you do what's in front of you, if you're kind, if you're gentle, if you're full of joy, you will transmit the fragrance of Christ into that place. Whether it's just right here, at work, grocery store, not losing your temper... A, you know, there's so many ways that you can change the world for the good. And I, I know that many of you are doing that. <laughs> fear drives us away from faith. The mind consumed by fear has no place for God. If you're afraid to talk, you're self-censoring. Your fear is that you will be rejected or that you will offend somebody. So are we willing to subvert our freedoms to soothe our fears? Are we willing to do that? Are we willing to take a stand? Uh, one of the things I wrote down, I don't really think that's important to share, but it was about how people accept authority. So many of the Jews in 1930s Germany uh if experts say it's right, then it must be right. They weren't listening to God. They were listening to the culture. <laughs> and uh, has anybody read Diedrich Bonhoeffer's book? Or, I mean, it's not Diedrich, it's about Diedrich Bonhoeffer. Uh, he was that fellow who was uh, called in to Hitler's presence with several other leaders, because, in you know, in in Germany, you were either Lutheran or Catholic. It was just like, that's all there is, guys. It's you're Lutheran or Catholic. And so Hitler got all the leaders together, and he kind of intimidated him. And Bonhoeffer raised his hand and said, you're not good for our country. I don't like the what you're doing. Bonhoeffer got arrested eventually. He was involved in the, uh, uh, trying to assassinate Hitler. So Hitler had him hung at the end of the war just for spite. Set him in prison for almost the whole war, and uh, then executed him. but Bonhoeffer went to his grave, speaking truth to the powers and uh, so there was no excuse for uh, the country going the way it did, but they chose to follow because they were afraid and uh, i don't want I don't want us to be afraid the uh, the scripture at the very end is uh, in Jeremiah. And it's, uh, let's see if I can torture it a little bit. When you seek me, you will find me. When you seek me with all your heart. That is the key to the gospel. You need to seek him with all your heart. And when you do that, he will show you who he is. Uh, that has been the gift that I've received from God. Uh, I have no question about who Jesus is oh boy i don't want to go there i if I start saying I'll, i won't be able to hold it together. Uh, it seems to me like as I studied this thing that what was missing in the lives of so many people was prayer. they had missed out on prayer they had felt that had failed they had failed uh in their pursuit of God, somehow or another, they had missed the key ingredient to a relationship. And it's prayer. Now, I, as I told you before, I have followed the uh, Greek Orthodox Orthodoxy. Because I love the way this guy teaches. Uh, I love to hear his teaching. That church has been under persecution for a lot longer by several different groups. You know, the Romans, the Muslims. Uh, I don't necessarily follow them because I think they're great, a great church. I, I can see some complications in there. But I follow that because they preach the truth. So I've got some quotes here uh, from Orthodoxy. Gathering of the mind and the heart is attention. Gathering of the will is vigilance. Gathering of the Senses is soberness. Prayer is the language of the uh, age to come. Pure prayer is when we speak it with the heart, with the mouth, and uh, boy, I can't read. Understand, understand it with the mind, and feel it with the heart. That's. This, is, uh, this guy here is interesting. I, uh, there is no life without prayer. There is only madness and horror. The soul of orthodoxy consists of prayer. This is a church that's been around a lot longer than we have. And they what's the main focus? It's prayer. This, uh, I hear within me as from a spring of living water. The murmur, come to the Father. That was by a guy named Ignatius Antioch. That's that's kind of a neat name. Um, He who in his heart is proud of his tears and secretly condemns those who do not weep is like a man who asks the king for a weapon against his enemy. And then commits suicide with it. Isn't that so true? We harm ourselves more when we're proud than when we are humble. And so this is a battle that we all face. And uh, Eric's come forward, so I must have run out of gas. I think he can tell. Um, <laughs> well, I, I just did want to get across the point that whenever we let society control our thinking... Whenever we submit to society's influence, we're actually pulling away from God and from Christ. Because, tell me of one time when the society was for us. It is becoming increasingly against us. Ever since the Mayflower Compact, this nation has been on a track to follow God to listen to the teachings of the church. Those Puritans, 25,000 strong, came to this country and began uh, to build a church that believed in Christ. And uh, has anyone read The Fourth Turning or Generations? Those are two books written by historians. I read those a long time ago. And basically, we can trace the influence of the Puritans all the way up through probably not too long ago. And so now all of a sudden, with the influence of cell phones, the internet, uh, propaganda almost on every level, we're missing something. And I suggest that it would be that those who can make you fearful can control you. And what I'd say earlier, the fruits of the spirit, there's no law against that. So with that, I'd like to close. I think now is the time we do our communion. And uh, so uh, you haven't stoned me, thrown me out the door. So I'm assuming I'm okay to do the communion meditation. Uh, The thing about what Christ did, the more we think about it, the more humble we become. Because we realize we can't save ourselves. And then he takes and sacrifices everything he has. And puts it on the cross. And, and so when he says, don't forget what I did for you. He's saying, take the cup, take the bread. And when you take the bread, you're going to remember that my body was hung on the cross. And when you take the juice, you're going to remember that my blood was shed there. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. Christ paid the ultimate price for the ultimate gift that we've received. When we accept him by faith. What is faith? It is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not yet seen. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. The reward is the relationship. It's not money or a house or a car. It's the relationship. When you have that, you have it all. Amen? So let's, let's partake of this this morning. Uh, first, the bread and then the cup and uh, I'll, I'll do a prayer after we get done Heavenly Father we're always humbled by the gift that came through Christ Jesus help us to never forget that gift, that gift of life, so that we can say, The Lord lives, and blessed be my rock, and exalted be the God of my salvation. Amen.